0: Greetings fellow travelers, welcome to another RPG Cave Rewind episode. I am Ryan Turford, the level 99 human archmage, and today my second my second favorite although I'm, I'm putting these in chronological order that they released in um, so they're not necessarily in order of my favorite to least favorite because it's it's tough to you know when you've done over a hundred episodes of a show to be like you know what that episode is my favorite it's tough it's tough to do but uh, no so this episode um, I wanted to highlight this one as well because it is also an earlier episode just like last week's episode um, and it's an ep- it's a question we get from time to time still because I know we do have a lot of new listeners joining the show and they might not I've actually gone back and listened to this episode, uh, but this episode was actually probably one of the most important, I think, episodes that we've ever done. Which is what defines a role playing game. Because Garrett actually sat, Garrett and I actually sat down and talked for an hour about um, what what we would define a role playing game as. So um, I feel like this one was special to me because, again, it was just like a really like thought provoking and interesting conversation that we had together. Um, And I I hope that people enjoyed it again. It's another episode that I think a lot of people just missed because it is a much older episode and not everyone wants to go back and, you know, re-listen to a hundred episodes of a show. So I wanted to make sure to give it a highlight here. So grab your popcorn and snacks and enjoy what makes an RPG an RPG. Greetings, fellow travelers! Welcome to the fourth level of the RPG Cave. I'm your level 99 human archmage, and I'm joined, as always, by the level 99 elf ranger, Mister Garrett Bland. The blandest of explosions, Garrett. How are you doing today, buddy?
1: Oh, I'm I'm doing great. I actually woke up late, so this this is not my f- my second cup. This is my first oh, cup of coffee. I'm still God. waking up. And uh, but I'm doing really well I'm I'm ready to talk some more RPGs. That's good I know it's been a long week for you with, I think you yeah. am doing jury duty this week, right? Uh, it was, it was all court. Um, it ended Thursday. Thank goodness. And, um, I don't have to deal with it anymore.
0: <laughs> oh, thank God. Oh man. That, that sucks. Well, obviously of course, this is not a jury duty podcast. This is an RPG podcast where we talk about RPGs <laughs> except for right now. So let's clear the dungeon of those ex pesky mobs and talk about what's going on with this show. Of course, if you like what we do, please consider subscribing to us right here on YouTube. Um, just search the RPG cave on YouTube. Or if you're listening to us on audio feeds and you want to support us that way as well. Um, again, you can just click the link in the show notes and it'll bring you right to the the, the YouTube page. You can check us out there. Because again, a video version of the podcast comes out every Saturday. So we encourage you, of course, to check us out there. Not only that, but other things will be coming to the YouTube channel this month and that's all i'm going to say about that because uh we are playing some stuff for, for that are going to go up there of course though if you would also like to support what we do um you can continue supporting us over on patreon.com slash you me capri throw a little tip in the old tip jar you get this show early as well as other exclusive content or other all of our shows early over there on patreon as well if you would like to do that you can definitely go do that also last bit of housekeeping before we get into the show proper Next week, Garrett, is E3 because and I should say next week, although honestly, when you're listening to this, it'll be this week because we record these (laughs) a week in advance. Um, But Mm -hmm. next week, Garrett and I are going to be super busy during E3. We actually are not going to be able to make our normal recording time. So um, there's going to be a little bit of a lull between uh, this episode that you're listening to today and then uh, when the next episode comes out, because essentially we'll be recording our next episode on the 19th um provided there's no changes but the upside is that even though you have to wait and you know a a little bit longer for the next episode um we'll turn that around that episode around much quicker so basically as soon as we finish recording it you know that afternoon or the next day Mm -hmm. um we'll have that episode up but then you'll have a little bit more time between that and the next episode so just wanted to throw it out there that if the release schedule seems a little bit weird for the next couple weeks it's all e3's fault you can blame e3 for this because um, Darn you, e3. i know uh garrett's gonna be busy over on, on shack as well as um his own stuff and then sean and yep. i are gonna be streaming a lot of the press conferences uh, like nor- our during our normal recording time next week the xbox conference is happening so
1: obviously we're, <laughs> gonna we're really all gonna be paying attention towards that yeah exactly um, isn't the next episode chrono trigger is that the one that we're doing next no so the next episode is going to be
0: our ah. kind of reactions to e3 reactions to episodes, e3 as well as going over predictions uh like because we're gonna Got we're it. gonna grade ourselves, Garrett. We're gonna see who had who had the better
1: predictions. Oh we'll see. But
0: two weeks or two episodes from now will be the tricker episode. Because I Got know it. you're talking the bit to talk about that one.
1: Um I was staying up late last night and that's why I slept in. I stay up late uh beating this game. I'm there. Oh, it's I'm over. Like, you beat it. I'm at the no, no, I'm in the I'm confronting Lavos. Like I'm okay. in right in front of that big weird monster what, whatever like it, it weird, looks
0: like spiky turtle thing whatever the heck Lava's yeah it's like a
1: leviathan It's like i don't know where his eye is per se is like it's yeah. something it looks interesting. it's
0: something <laughs> but yeah it's I, something but yeah so we'll be talking about chrono sugar a lot in the next couple weeks so um prepare yourselves friends because that's going to be like the first like big uh game we do a deep dive on because i know a couple people have asked us like hey if you're going to talk about a specific game please tell us ahead of time because we want to you know brief ourselves Prepare, so prepare yep. our bodies for that. Well, enough about that, Garrett. Let's read from the secret texts, our topic this week. What defines an RPG? This one has actually been proposed to us multiple times by, by people on Discord who have asked um, I know Mr. Nastyboos, for example, threw uh, the question on the very first episode, asking us mm-hmm. to do this as well as a couple other people. But uh, I mean, to be fair, this is one of the first episodes that Garrett and I talked about even doing. So uh, this That's is something uh, we had planned all along, uh, much to the chagrin of people out there. So first of all, before we kind of get into um, what we personally think about that, and, and I'm going to go to you, Garrett, in just a second to kind of ask for your definition of RPG. I thought I would go to the Oxford Dictionary. Because the Oxford Dictionary has role-playing game listed in the dictionary. So I thought I would read the uh, the literary definition of a role-playing game.
1: So the official definition that that we should abide by. Officially. Is that that correct?
0: Yeah. But this definition, again, is very loose, and you'll you'll understand why after I read it. So an RPG, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is quote, a game in which players take on the roles of imaginary characters who engage in adventures typically in a particular computerized fantasy setting overseen by a referee.
1: So this that's a interesting, like, last bit at the end there. Yeah. I, I, the, I didn't expect that one. The
0: referee would be, like, the dungeon master if you're playing Dungeons & okay. Dragons or, or a pen and paper RPG. But obviously, if you're playing, you know, a computerized role-playing game, you don't really have a referee. <laughs> I guess the referee in like a, a, a RPG video game would be like the systems, like the the hard coded yeah. systems in the game. And you're and that's kind of w- what keeps everything in check, essentially.
1: Whether you win or lose like a certain task, it's up to the system itself, up to the game itself, really. Yeah. So, and that just yeah.
0: kind of differs from game to game. Of course, that's just the literary definition of an RPG, <laughs> yeah. which, again, doesn't cover all RPGs or anything like that. But it, I think it's a good, a good place to kind of start with kind of our base. So, Garrett, I'm going to start with you. To you, mm-hmm. what defines an RPG?
1: well i wouldn't that that seems like a broad definition the oxford dictionary one because if i apply that definition to a lot of video games i'm thinking a lot of action games could be rpgs Mm -hmm. i'm thinking zelda could be an rpg which you can argue it is yeah Uh, i'm not saying it isn't um but i i can understand like for us we know what kind of we can focus a bit more of what an rpg is and I think RPGs has a few type of of categories or checklists that that goes into my head. First is I, I think what the Oxford Dictionary says: um, you are a character or a handful of characters in a fictional setting. Yeah, that's probably the first part that that crosses my mind. It can't be a puzzle game. It can't be anything like that. It, it has to be you. You're a character or some sort of avatar. Um, that you're controlling, and and that is you know, you're you're controlling it, and you're going through Garrett, the story puzzle or Quest
0: whatever. Is technically, in a lot of ways, <sighs> a puzzle RPG. <laughs> just look on your face; just that's it all. I just love, I love this.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to even go into that type of. Um, Puzzle games are puzzle games to me. When yeah. you say puzzle RPG, I'm just like no, no. <laughs> there's puzzle, actually puzzle probably puzzle puzzle
0: is a very silly game. So I, I just thought I'd throw that there because that was the first thing that leapt out of my to me as soon as you <laughs> said puzzles can't be RPGs, Garrett.
1: I mean, right. clearly there's
0: one. It's on the PSP. You can go play it right now.
1: Yeah, of course. um Another thing to me with an RPG to go a little bit more in depth versus. uh like like maybe more of a Zelda game or an action game versus an RPG. I think it needs a little bit more of a stats system yeah. of some kind. It doesn't have to be a straightforward here's a magic defense attack or whatever, but some level of um, stats where you progress those stats throughout the game to make yourself stronger Yeah, and and so on and so forth. So you need come, some type of leveling system with some stats. Um, I think that's that's very essential to an RPG. Um, and I think the last thing that I, I particularly would like to see an RPG, I don't, I don't know of any other games that doesn't have this, some sort of extra skill system mm-hmm. of some kind, not just a regular attack and defense, but you have like other types of maneuvers um, that add strategy to the RPG um, and you you attain these. And whatever means necessary in the RPG, whether it's leveling up, whether it's progressing through the story or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's another essential uh, part of it as well. Um, And I think the last thing that every RPG needs to have is a story. Yeah. And it needs to have a very compelling story um, to make it a very good RPG, Um, whether it's a group of characters or a character by yourself. um, It needs to have some sort of story with that character um to even make it a role-playing game. And I think that's probably cover most of my bases of what an RPG uh the definition of an RPG should be.
0: Yeah. And um, honestly I agree with most of the points you made there too. Like for example, the stats thing, definitely I, I think that's definitely key to it qualifying as an RPG. That's one of the core RPG mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh when you look at a lot of games that that what you when you try and group them into the RPG genre, uh you have that's one mm-hmm. of the first things that comes to my mind is like What kind of like how is it stats driven in an RPG way, for example, again, is there a leveling system and is your character kind of experiencing growth over the course of the gameplay, Um, not just the player growth that you're experiencing by. Becoming more familiar with the game, but more so um, is the the character that you're playing as growing in, in some particular way, yeah. whether it's through um, level based stats like strength and, and magic or um, in other ways. I, I think that there are other ways to do it besides just doing like hard coded numbers. But, right. you know, hard-coded numbers are, like, the easiest way to tell of it being, tell it be, it's an RPG or it's going towards that. Because, again, that's a very definite callback to, again, pen and paper RPGs, like Dungeons yes. & Dragons, like Werewolf, like Vampire the Masquerade, where they are very- Have you played and
1: Dungeons & Dragons? I did. I, I used to play in okay. uh, high
0: school a lot yeah and uh, nice d d was was very fun i actually really loved it but one of the things i didn't love about d d was just a lot of dice rolling it uh it a lot a, of
1: dice rolling. It,
0: it became a <laughs> bit of a pain but I, I love kind of the using your own imagination to kind of you know think about these adventures and kind of you have a, a a picture in your head that might be different from some, one of your other party members yeah. of, of you going on the same kind of quest together so um it it's really interesting and it gives you a lot of creative freedom i think um versus like a, a you know, a video game RPG. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas obviously a video game RPG, you know, you're kind of locked in the box of the game's mechanics. So I definitely think I agree with you with, as far as of stats and stuff like that. Um, I also think of equipment management is definitely a big part of RPGs. Like okay. having, you know, some kind of equipment progression throughout the course of the of the game, um, whether the, the equipment itself is as basic as like, you know, changing between weapons that have like very minor stats weights uh, uh, attributed yeah. to them versus something like final fantasy where it's like they the the stats are heavily weighted on specific items or weapons and you want you want to make sure you have um kind of the latest or best gear kind of as you go along through the adventure so um, mm-hmm. i think equipment definitely plays a big part into um making a game an rpg um and like you said the story i think it, it, i think you can have an rpg without a good story but then it just in a lot of ways it starts to go into the camp of you know, a not so good RPG or like it it kind of fails in the RPG department, but it definitely is all about story because again, you're trying to like play the role of a, of of a character um, or a party uh, that's going on this journey. So there has to be some kind of story that brings you, you, the the player character into the experience and kind of Mm -hmm. allow you to take the role of that character. And it's something I also talk about a lot with, with licensed games. Where kind of the best licensed games are the games that make you feel like you're playing that character from that license that's true. Um, and RPG, the best RPGs are the ones that make you feel like you're in that world. You, they make you feel like you're the, those party members and kind of going on the journey along with them. Um, so I definitely think the story is definitely a big part of that. Um, but as far as like the, the combat in, in, in a role playing game, I think that just depends. And we're going to kind of get into kind of the the subgenres and kind of define each one of those individually in, in a few mm-hmm. minutes. But, uh, um, I definitely I think that can with- be varied for sure
1: yeah i want to get with the the equipment part again i i was trying to think of rpgs that you don't necessarily need that much equipment management and mm-hmm. that is i think tactical rpgs right there are a few tactical rpgs where i think equipment's not really necessary but it's more on the characters themselves and the classes mm-hmm. themselves so there is a little bit of i think but even, in, know, games mixture where, even in,
0: in games like that where the equipment management is mild you still have equipment management so It still, yeah. it still checks the box off. And that's, that's more what I'm getting at where it, like, regardless I of how mild it is, you know, there's some level of equipment management or even item management. You can throw that in there too. Yeah. Cause even if you're not, you know, changing out guns, for example, you're usually, you know, uh, buying potions or buying, um, like bed packs or, you know, whatever. Uh, other items like special items to, to allow you to use different skills for example mm-hmm. um or to cure- I totally agree
1: with that yeah
0: or cure status ailments which i think is another big part but again I think you'd have an rpg without status ailments for example but uh yeah to, to touch on one other thing that you talked about Garrett which was um the the player progression system um I think that's a big part of it too like um being able to making sure that you have like a set of skills outside of just your basic attacks. Um, like for example, Mm -hmm. having magic attacks or having, um, like steel skills or something like that. Uh, Also research management, resource management too, I think plays into a little of that too, like having Mm -hmm. mana, for example, or skill points like SP kind of tacked on, I think, you know, makes it more of an RPG as well. Because again, if you have like a skill system but you don't have a resource management, uh, thing attached to it, then it's no different than normal attack in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than if it's like we uh, better against certain enemies or weaker against others, for example. So um, yeah, I think that I'd throw that in there, but again, I think we've got kind of like the solid outline of what, what an RPG should look like. It should be like a game that's more store that has a story or at least is story based that has, mm-hmm. you know, some level of p- player progression um, as well as it's stat driven in some way. Um, and it has like, Skills that are not just normal attacks. For example, I think that's kind of what we're, where we're going with
1: that. That's a good foundation to yeah. to set on that we agreed on. Yeah, yeah, for sure,
0: for sure. So um, as far as subgenres though, because again, the the one big thing about RPGs is whenever we're describing a video game RPG, we're not a lot of times when someone asks us to describe a game, we'll never usually say it's just an RPG. We'll usually put like some kind right. of connotation on it. Like it's a action RPG. It's a Japanese role-playing game. It's a turn-based RPG. It's a strategy RPG. And I figured it'd be fun to kind of break down each one of the these and kind of give some, some examples of each, um, especially because I I think doing this will actually help people who maybe aren't too familiar with RPGs kind of grasp, you know, um Mm -hmm. how how some of these work so let's start with action rpgs because this is the kind of the most common thing that we see today um also again there's a lot of bleed over with modern games um especially between genres and this one kind of is the one that kind of bleeds the most between you know the rpg genre and something else so a typical example of an action rpg is um something like borderlands for example Is an example of an action RPG where the 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 combat itself is not turn based in any way. Again, it's very much, um, you know, the second you press a button, something happens. Essentially, it's not Mm -hmm. it's uh, very like um, it's a very immediate like the action is just very immediate from the from the uh, the way you interact with it. Another example would be something like Diablo. I think Diablo would be an yes. action RPG where, again, both of those games, even though they play very different from each other, again, one's basically like a first-person shooter combined with an RPG and the other one's like a top-down, like button-clicky, you know, action right. game that happens to have RPG elements. What, what is uh, familiar about both those games and what ties them together are the things we talked about. You know, that you have player progression with stats across both games again borderlands you see less of it but it's still there is some of that tied to your character you've got equipment management that's true because you're managing equipment in both those games whether it's you know armor or weapons um in something like diablo or even just your weapons or some of your other parts of your loadout in borderlands um and then you've got story like both those games are you know heavy on the story um but at the same time they're not like overly bearing with the story i would say in both games, mm-hmm. both of those examples um but again like that that's even though they are they have played very differently when you or look very different when you look at the two of them foundationally they're kind of in the same place
1: yeah yeah no i agree i think action rpgs are the most inviting um type of rpg you can get with new players with a lot of players because now you see a lot of popular games incorporating rpg elements of some kind and mm-hmm. as you said with borderlands and Diablo you got plenty of other like ted games like assassin's creed you go through ubisoft games and they're all type of like an action rpg now because yeah. they have a leveling system they have some skill trees or skill sets and and so on and so forth you can even argue a lot like like sports games now they have oh, yeah. i mean they have rpg elements they <laughs> have stats they have um you're managing players you're going through the play so i think when when people think of uh, RPGs they need to think about these RPG elements that are in the game and that makes it really enticing especially for these action RPGs it's like hey you, you're an RPG player if you play like an Assassin's Creed game for like 80 hours you're you're the grind or or the 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 hook of that game is not only the action part but also the progression part the skills and the characters mm-hmm. and so so on and so forth so I think action RPGs is probably the most inviting one for everyone Mm -hmm. to be involved it's the most
0: similar to the uh genre to like other genres that people are more familiar with like for like shooters um or just third person action games like uh like a naughty dog style game or something like that um so yeah yeah, it's definitely the most inviting out of all those ones i would say and then kind of the next one on that scale would be um a term that again, I don't re- I find myself using much less nowadays, um, but was definitely something you'd hear a lot in the 90s and 2000s um, when describing RPGs are Japanese role playing games Where again, yep. in theory, a Japanese rolling role playing game can mean anything nowadays where um, <laughs> it's before, crazy, traditionally, actually. <laughs> it had like a, a, when you when you had like a what's referred to as a Japanese role playing game in the 80s or 90s, it usually meant one specific thing. It was a game developed in Japan. It was turn based. It was very story based. Um, it was very um, mechanic, like uh, very much uh, equipment and stats based. Like that was kind of yes. how those games felt. And then but I think the we started to move away from calling things Japanese role playing games because now we get so many different types of role playing games from Japan that it's hard to put them kind of in that box. And I and the term I now yeah. like to use instead to kind of describe more of the traditional Japanese role playing game is, is a turn based RPG instead it's kind of what the term i like to use now where again it's kind of that same feel where you have you know um it's it's everyone has takes turns and sometimes for example those turns are immediate where you'll take your you'll you'll uh tell put down like what kind of attack you want to use right away um and then it just happens right there sometimes you'll queue up a whole bunch of actions from all your party members and then they'll all kind of play out in the battle um and they Mm. can kind of vary between game to game, essentially how, how all that works. Um, but then they're mm-hmm. very st- story focused. Usually um, nine times out of 10, they'll they they'll be more focused on the story because you don't have really have the element of the action kind of pulling you into the gameplay experience. Um, mm-hmm. And usually they'll have um, turn-based RPGs. We don't get too many of them that use like non 2d style. Like for the most part, we don't get really too many 3d turn-based RPGs. We did in kind of the PS one era. But most yeah. of the, the ones we get nowadays, unless your name is Persona, you're usually like an indie game. So something like Cosmic Star Heroine or Undertale, yeah. like something that is very much a um, like a, a 2D old school looking game or kind of calling back to that old school aesthetic, essentially. But I, I wouldn't limit it by that anyways. Um, mm-hmm. But that's how I, kind of how I feel about turn based RPGs. What do you think about uh turn based RPGs? Am I kind of on the right base with this, Garrett?
1: Um, I, I, I think you're on a, a good path there. I just want to uh, uh, go back to just J- Japanese RPGs. I can understand now that you, you think of more like you want to kind of put them all together, kind of a turn-based RPG, but I still argue that you have Japanese action RPGs, yeah. which I, and that the strict definition probably for that is it's an action RPG that's a, from a Japanese developer. But we have to be very careful because dragon's dogma you could say it's a japanese action rpg yeah but it's definitely a western trope kind of rpg similar to skyrim or, or anything like that or that's so maybe where i, I would to...
0: like lump like something like zelda in where zelda's more yeah, like that's that, true where it's like a, a a japanese action rpg like more but it's also playing a lot of elements from like western games in particular
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you can argue Final Fantasy 15 and, and the future Final Fantasy games. Those are going to be the Japanese action RPG. That's going to be the like probably the, the most uh, sim- symbolic type of games for that genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I want to make sure I, I got Japanese RPGs in my head. It's more of a... You, It's a Japanese trope. And what I mean by that is it's you can feel an essence of of influence of Japanese culture in there Mm -hmm. and and some sort of like, I don't know, anime aesthetic could be or any other kind of culturally influence that's based off of that region of Japan. I I consider more of a Japanese RPG than than anything else. And it can have systems of turn based or action or or whatever Mm -hmm. um, like that. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of think of Japanese RPGs more along the, li- along the lines of that. And then turn-based RPGs, you can put them in that category a little bit, but I think more turn-based RPGs now is that there's a lot coming from, from, um, the West as well. Yeah. Um, and, and as you said, you know, um, all those games and even indie games, uh, I think of child of light as one of my like biggest turn-based RPGs that, that come from around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I like to keep some of that, that difference and I understand um, from a time period standpoint, we can say that a lot of traditional—I think—traditional think traditional Japanese RPGs. The game that pops in my head is Dragon Quest, and Dragon yeah. Quest is still pushing that that type of um, traditional turn-based, stat-based, and you've got the same,
0: to the point where like you can play the game in like NES style, the exact same game. It's crazy. Switch between yeah. them. <laughs> so It's just yeah. I mean, they they haven't really changed much. And again, my point of view on on the subject, more changes to like. Like before we would say like Japanese role playing game would be like a specific genre because it had a very specific feel and gameplay style to it. Where now I think the term Japanese role playing game has evolved to the point where it's more like a subtype where like you attach it to another genre. So it's like kind of like how you talked about where it's like a Japanese action uh, RPG or a Japanese turn based RPG. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't refer to it as like a specific genre anymore in the same way that I probably would have maybe, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, I think. Yeah. I think that's yeah. that's more where I'm coming from with that one. Um, but yeah. So t- t- examples of turn-based RPGs, Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Persona, yes. anything like that kind of fits, fits that category. Pokemon, for sure. Uh, next category, though, is strategy rpgs so strategy rpgs are are kind of born from from the strategy genre because again we've got Mm -hmm. you know turn-based strategy games we've got real-time strategy games but what's what's different between a turn-based strategy game and a turn-based and a strategy rpg is a strategy rpg again takes the turn-based strategy game formula where it's very much a um over like you're taking more of a strategic look at the game very much usually from an overhead perspective but sometimes in the case of something like Valkyria Chronicles, where you're doing like a, a third person perspective, but you you still get the overlook at the battlefield. It almost feels like you're commanding troops, but you, yep. you bring in the stats elements, you bring in the level progression, you bring in the story elements, you bring in all the other stuff that we talked about that makes an RPG an RPG and then combine it with the strategy element that you see in a, a, a turn-based strategy game like Civilization, for example.
1: Kind of Cid t- is probably the most, yeah represented example of a turn-based strategy game yeah not a role-playing game
0: yeah besides that you also got games like galactic civilizations or master of orion and stuff like that like those are or are kind of examples of uh turn-based strategy games but they're not rpgs because again you've got like uh resource management in the sense that you're kind of you know allocating money or you're you're building bases Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but you don't they're not really stats driven in the same way that rpgs are um or they're not pulling rpg elements into civilization for example um mm-hmm. and again examples of this would be like fire emblem shining force um disgaea i think those are like the three kind of more prominent um, strategy rpg series that i can think of um but for the Metal most part they're Chronicles, very niche yeah. nowadays yes we don't yes, see them too are. often Project triangle strategy is another one too i just thought of as we were talking about this mario plus rabbits mario plus rabbits technically a uh a strategy rpg yep Especially because yeah. that XCOM? game in particular, like XCOM kind of skirts the line, but I, I it, would yeah. say um it's definitely closer to that than a turn-based uh strategy game. Like it's closer yes. to the strategy RPG thing. But that's kind of like that, that's where I would put like kind of the boundary is something like XCOM because um it's not as um well, I guess the newer XCOM games are more RPGs, but I, I'm I'm thinking in my head more like the older XCOM games, like XCOM: Terror right. from the Deep or UFO Defense, because though the older XCOM games very much are not RPGs at all, they don't really have RPG mechanics. You have different, you have the different equipment management that you'd have in an RPG, but it's closer to something like Civilization, but with combat essentially. Um, versus yeah,
1: same it, thing with Gears Tactics, right? Like yeah, um, it has it, it does have characters and you're progressing them, but you're not really progressing stats in any way right well, you don't you're really not... have like
0: levels for the characters or anything
1: like that's that. true yeah. um versus again the newer
0: xcom games you're definitely right like xcom um 2 or like um xcom enemy unknown for example like those are definitely more uh ter- like uh tactical rpgs essentially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yep. th- that one seems pretty easy, pretty cut and dry. Anyways, um, again, the second you start to introduce all of those other RPG elements that we kind of talked about, that that's what c- changes it from like a strategy, like a turn-based strategy game to like a strategy role-playing game, essentially. Yep. But we don't see those too often because again, they're very niche. Unless you were, unless you had a PlayStation Vita, because we had lots of them on Vita. We had like Natural Doctrine and some other weird ones there. But
1: uh, I, I Square Enix, uh, come on, we need Final Fantasy Tactics of, of some kind, please. Let's do it. And a presentation, I know it'd be too good to be true, but I, I don't think a lot of people really, um, or, or publishers see them having a wide audience or Mm -hmm. a big audience. And that's why they don't really lean into it these days, but they do, they definitely have an audience fire emblem. Um, I know they're not as the series is not as successful or near successful as other RPGs, but Mm -hmm. it's still pretty good for, for what it's on. It found an audience and it's and I think they're really trying to um, make it accessible to everyone. I see that in Fire Emblem Three Houses. I see that in Disguise Six yeah. as well. They really are really pushing like, hey, it's not going to be as hard, tricky and complicated here. You can make it as easy as you want. You can even um, just make it auto battle a little bit to make sure you, you kind of understand what the patterns are or going through the game. Um, so yeah.
0: Well, a game like Disgaea too, the, the, the crazy thing about that is like, when you look at the publisher NIS who publishes Disgaea, like that's like their big franchise is, (laughs) is a strategy RPG, which we never see from like anyone. Cause again, even with a game like Fire Emblem, I think it's probably the most popular, current Mm -hmm. strategy role-playing series but it's not like nintendo's cash cow or anything like that or or the thing that makes them the bucks disgaea is very much like the make or break franchise in a lot of ways for nis where it's like nis makes a lot of really interesting rpgs but like their main one like the main series that's like kind of tied to their name to the point where like their mascot is a disgaea character like
1: it's pretty, it's crazy you know, to or, think of whatever, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to to see Disgaea still being out there and they and they're really pushing it to uh put it in all current gen consoles. It's like you have all the Disgaea games I think on Switch now. Yep. Or at least most of them. Well, I think Disgaea um,
0: 3 and 2 are the ones that are missing.
1: Right. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Um, and, but but, but also all most of them are, them are on PC. On,
0: most of them are on PlayStation 4 as well and again the same two are mm-hmm. missing three and two for some reason they haven't ever done like a remake of those or i shouldn't say that because they actually did a remake of two on PSP, and and that's available on vita if, if you want to go get it from the vita store and disguise
1: but, 3 is on vita as well
0: oh that's true i forgot about that so yeah i guess mm-hmm. most of them if you got a playstation vita and a playstation 4 you've got pretty much all the disguise games there so there you go uh yep but <laughs> then the last kind of rpg genre unless i'm missing any garrett and you can correct me in a second okay. uh mmos a genre that we should talk about as well and and again we're not going to probably dive too deep into mmos here because again we've got a whole mmo episode that is going to come at you guys later in uh down the road we're going to kick that one down the road a little bit but what defines an mmo is essentially um taking the rpg fan uh formula making it basically multiplayer only and then expanding it to however many players you want to have in a world again and and what basically defines an mmo versus like a multiplayer rpg is essentially having like more than 50 players at a time yep. in, in your RPG world, essentially. And just having like one giant world that is usually on like a server blade uh, that usually supports somewhere in the range of like 250,000 to 500,000 players essentially yeah
1: like like a ton of players
0: yeah not only that but usually like anytime you'll go into if you anytime you want to explore a dungeon or do like a raid or an instance you're not playing by yourself you're usually playing with anywhere between four party members and 52 so depending Mm -hmm. on what you're doing um that's kind of what defines an mmo versus a, a, a more traditional rpg also most mmos too um can either be action based so games like Terra. Um, for example, are pretty much just action RPGs that happen to be MMOs because of how, because of the player count, essentially, Mm -hmm. is kind of what makes it an MMO, um, versus a game like Final Fantasy 14 or a game like World of Warcraft, which is more cooldown based. So it's much closer to a turn based RPG in that sense, where essentially you're taking, you're essentially taking your turn. And usually, um, the tone, the turns are very quick because usually you're, you're, everything has like a global cooldown of like three or four seconds. So you can usually mm-hmm. initiate a, a, a command every three or four seconds, which again makes it feel more like a turn-based RPG that just happens to be play, played out in real time. If that makes yes. Any sense.
1: Yes. Um, I think um, Elder Scrolls Online and New World, like, it, it is cooldown based, but I would argue they're really trying to modernize it and make it more action-based mm-hmm. by adding a little bit more dodging and weaving. You, you, because in like World of Warcraft or anything like that, you really can't dodge unless you add a buff to to yourself or anything like that right is is that my understanding
0: yeah Um, well i mean there it's less about dodging attacks um than something like final fantasy 14 where most of the mechanics of those bosses are like all kinds of things you gotta dodge like it'll show you on the ground here's the part where the place where the attacks gonna happen don't stand here you're gonna die kind of thing
1: right Right. Um so yeah, ESL has a blocking mechanic and it has like a push mechanic as well to like to like daze and confuse the enemy. So it's more action oriented and New World is definitely very much like that as well. There is some skills, there are some cooldown, but also you're very fast. And it's like Fantasy Fantasy Star is is kind of like that too. You mm-hmm. you can actually dodge attacks that are coming right at you versus here's where the attack's going to be in this area and you got to you better move away from this area mm-hmm. so i i think mmos are, are are skimming to that point of of more action based mm-hmm. and um it's it's actually really cool to see it's more interactivity i think
0: yeah um, and that's why well. they're i think they're much more approachable now than they were you know 15 years ago when like everquest was out yeah again like world of warcraft had just come out in 2004 so like yeah mm-hmm. the, i think mmos have come, come a long way and they're they're very much we're kind of like in the infam, uh, infancy of that genre in particular because it honestly hasn't been around very very long like since 2000 essentially so uh what you especially when you compare it to other genres of rpgs because again we've had action rpgs or turn-based rpgs or strategy rpgs since like the 80s so they've had much more time to evolve and we're, we're kind of seeing like a lot of the final forms for some of those whereas mmos mm-hmm. we haven't really seen kind of the final form of the mmo yet and kind of what mmos can do um going forward so
1: yeah and, and the biggest thing with with mmorpgs as you know um with ryan you can sink in a crazy amount of hours and there is no end yep. to these to this this genre that's that's probably the biggest thing behind it is that you have so many so many different things to do including multiplayer but also more single player than ever yeah. uh, before as well um, and you could just keep grinding and just keep doing what you're doing. And if you like that game, that could be your one game that that you could play for just just for a while. It just so.
0: it lasts forever. I mean, and and, yeah. and even something like even though Destiny, for example, I wouldn't consider an, an, an MMO basically based on just the play account. Um, it right. has a lot of similar things to. MMOs. Like it, t- it basically, we're seeing a lot more service based games take elements from yes. MMOs, that grindiness, that the stuff you just talked about, Garrett, and then bring it into like a traditional action game or a traditional first person shooter, even, and kind of making it this like action RPG hi- that's like uh, a hybrid between that and MMO mechanics. For example, and Mm -hmm. making them because a game like destiny, for example, has raids in it and the raids in that game are very similar to MMO raids. They're just on a much smaller scale because you've only got six players versus, you know, eight to 16 to 50, you know? Um, Yeah. So, again, we're seeing a lot of bleed and more crossover. So, again, in in 20 years time, I think we're going to really see kind of where MMOs are going to shake out and kind of be like its own genre and have like much be much more defined than kind of the definition giving today but again we'll talk about more of that when we talk about the the mmo episode that we're going to talk about so Garrett, the one question i wanted to ask you that again you already kind of know about because you put it on the show notes when is a game (laughs) not an rpg like what when okay when is a game um that maybe has like rpg elements but doesn't qualify as an rpg like when does it get removed from that
1: that yeah so when we go through these like various checklists in our head in the beginning of this podcast i kind of run through that checklist and and see if that makes it more of an rpg and if if one of the key points and area is missing from that then i would say okay that game is an action-based game that has rpg elements in there Mm -hmm. i think like one of the biggest things i could think of um like like action-based that does have rpg elements again i think ubisoft you can argue it being a role-playing game but i can also see it just being an action-based game that has rpg elements in there a lot of rpg systems and everything like that um but like to be honest with you when i think of assassin's creed um it's not bred from an rpg genre at all it's like like throughout its iterations It's been adding more and more RPG elements in there. And then at the end, this is what we get. We get this type of um, Assassin's Creed kind of game with a lot of these systems that are together. So I I think, like, you know, when a game's not an RPG, I I really run through my head of those systems. And I think of Zelda. Again, you can argue it being an RPG, but, like, there's, like, most of the the Zelda games that I think of are the original Zelda games. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean... I argue they're not RPGs at all. And that's fine. They're action-based puzzle games. You get specific items and everything, but you don't have a leveling system. You mm-hmm. don't have stats. You are playing a character. So um, yeah, you it's 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 a back and forth. But if it's missing some of those items that are in our checklist, then I, yeah. I don't consider them as role-playing games.
0: Yeah. And to your um, point, the out of all the Zelda games, I think the one that's closest to an RPG is actually Zelda 2 on NES because you have a player, you have a progression system with link. Um, you have got to get it. a bunch of different abilities. You have a bunch of ability uh, attacks, for example, that are not just your standard attack. Like you've got the, the the lightning attack. You've got the the shield magic. You've got a bunch of different. Like you're not collecting items in that game. You're progressing Link throughout the game, and it feels more like an an, R- an action RPG experience, more similar to something like Kingdom Hearts, um, versus something like uh, versus the other Zelda games, where again you're you're progressing Link in the sense that you're you're getting the items that allow you into new areas. But those are those games like A Link to the Past, for example, is actually probably got more similar to a game like Metroid than it does yes. to like an action or like a uh, Kingdom Hearts. That's the example I kind of gave there, like an action RPG. So, um, yeah, I would definitely say that the the second you kind of remove one of those elements, I definitely think you probably pull it out of those categories. Um, I'm the type of person, though, that actually considers specifically Odyssey and Valhalla on the Assassin's Creed Camp. action RPGs because those games not only are very much developed as RPGs in mind, but they feel, feel very much like Bioware games in that way where they, they have all, they, they meet all of the criteria I have for that checklist. Whereas a game like Assassin's Creed syndicate, for example, which started to bring in, it was really the first game to bring in the RPG elements. You didn't really Mm -hmm. have like the same progression system that you'd have in an RPG. So that's why I would think that that, no, but you had some attacks for example that weren't that were different from your standard attack but it wasn't in the same way that assassin's creed valhalla for example which feels very much like um, a mass effect or dragon age in that way where mm-hmm. you've got abilities on cooldown you've got equipment that um uh, uh like you have a bunch of equipment management like you would in rpgs you have it, all of the uh, attacks are number based they're all stats based you see the numbers yes. fly off the enemies That's as true. you're attacking them um and th- those games go on forever just like Almost like MMOs do, or just like, especially Odyssey, which would actually generate side quests for you through this, like, you know, this procedurally generated element. Once you finish all the quests in that game, it will generate side quests for you. So you can play that game infinitely if you want to, to grind out Goodness. your
1: character. The, uh, we can we can talk about Assassin's Creed Forever because I'm a huge fan um, and I, I, I agree with you. These last three games, Origins, uh, Odyssey and Valhalla. Mm-hmm. probably rpgs than than any I other origins game kind genre. of the
0: line a little bit kind of in the same way okay. that that one of the, the the other game i talked about uh kind of did but then definitely odyssey and valhalla definitely are very much like they're de- they've developed those as action rpgs like the Witcher, for example
1: oh definitely yeah it, it totally witcher vibes in there it's weird because i love the beginning uh, like like the start of assassin's creed games from two all the way to syndicate I played all the way to Senegate Origins. I played through. I did not like as much. I'm trying to play Valhalla in Odyssey. I don't like it as much. I don't. I don't care much about these R- RPG elements. And I think it's just fatigue a little bit with the Ubisoft. And and Ubisoft loves to do this with all their games. Yeah. Um. That that's fantasy type style games. It's like all right, let's put the Ubisoft template on <laughs> onto this game yeah. and, and and let the, let the players go through all of this content that we've kind of just copied and i wouldn't say copy and pasted but there's a template and they build off of it or just a lot of it feels there's like that.
0: fluff when you go through it like yes. some of the side especially um like assassin's creed odyssey i think had really good side missions but it was it was like not the norm for what i consider for ubisoft games because um even we, we saw some of that bleed over into something like far cry 5 for example which um, mm-hmm. w- it was starting to introduce some RPG elements into it, um, but again, a lot of the side missions at that game, I just was like, "Why am I even doing this? Like, what, exactly. do, I, what do I get out of this? Like, uh, cool, I get to go like upgrade my wallet, I guess." But it's like, you know, it di- it didn't really feel the same. So yeah, I yeah, hear you. but yeah, most actually, with what you what you talked about what ma- makes a game not an RPG, I kind of agree with too. Like all the points you made were it's essentially just if it takes one of the things off the checklist, it's not an RPG anymore. It's got to kind of yeah. It's got to fit that basic criteria that we talked about, kind of as the foundation of what makes an RPG an RPG. Essentially,
1: I, I have a one one particular franchise I wanted to ask you about because I actually skirt the line where it is RPG or not, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's more of not now that we're discussing through this. um Have you played the Dishonored games? I have. All? Yeah. Uh- okay. Do you consider that as an action stealth based RPG?
0: I think it's another game that kind of skirts the line, but more so, I think it's on the line. It's outside the line of being an RPG. It's just it's close to being an RPG. I I think it has a lot. I think those games have have a lot of RPG elements to them, but I think that it's missing kind of the stats based thing that we talked about on the foundation. I think that's kind of the key difference between that. So I definitely Mm -hmm. don't think that those games are RPGs. They're close though. They're close to. They're very close. But I, I would, and, and
1: I think that's what makes them likable, too. Like, if they didn't have those RPG elements, I don't know if I would ever play as Dishonored because the mm-hmm. stealth phase are, like, for me, they're so tense. They're yeah. so, like, I don't know, behind the scenes or whatever. Um, like, I so would say before, out of
0: Arcane's games, I would say the closest yeah. that actually fits an RPG is Prey. The, the Prey reboot oh, that's from true. A couple, from, uh, a couple years ago, like, the reboot of Prey, uh, because that had a lot of really deep, you know, RPG, uh, like, stats-based elements in that game. Like it really felt more like an action RPG. Like I would consider that an RPG versus Dishonored because it it goes Mm. more in that RPG direction than a game like that.
1: Do you think a lot of these games that that we think of fantasy type style or like anything that's not sports related or puzzle related or whatever, do you think everyone's just trying to put that RPG elements in there to just to create the fluff or create the content or trying to satisfy some sort of grind in, in their games versus if they didn't have RPG elements in there. What do, you, what do you think of that? A lot of these types of games, adding RPG elements, does it really benefit them? I feel like huh? there
0: must have been some kind of market research done or focus group testing that, that was yes. done to, that may, basically told companies that putting RPG elements in their games make the player feel more invested in the experience. I think that like, for example, if your fan, if your, um, you know, fantasy soccer team in FIFA has RPG elements, according to that, like your, your, you progress and stuff like that. It's like that extra carrot on the end of the stick that essentially tries to like get you to keep playing the game and and kind of try and stick with the game longer. I think that's kind Mm -hmm. of where that comes from. I don't think it's necessary to add fluff, but I think it's to to add replayability or add, you know, playtime to games that might not have had that before um for example a game like fifa for example if it didn't have rpg elements if you didn't have the whole fifa ultimate team set um game type like how much can you say you would actually continue to play that game every single week like it might get stale um versus Mm -hmm. if you're progressing like even if you lose a match you feel like you're progressing in some way um so i feel like that i think that's where it comes
1: from more than anything i see yeah I, i totally agree with that um, before we get into questions and everything, I just want to mention one subgenre that we didn't really touch upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, well, Western RPGs is like a type, so it's like Japanese yeah. RPGs. It's where more like a subtype. It,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Going more focused, CRPGs. Oh, that's uh, true. Com- computerized RPGs. It's a very niche, um, type of RPG. It, it stems from probably like older uh type of rpgs that we see in in western role-playing games like the original fallout um and then you can get into like pillars of eternity um but yeah it's it's the games that you're kind of it's it's my understanding it can be turn-based or action-based it's Mm -hmm. but it's isometric you have a handful of a party together and it's kind of more or less dungeon crawling or going through a story of some kind with your characters. I think the the biggest um, game that's out there that's a CRPG is Divinity: Original Sin Two, yeah. Um, and those types of of, of role playing games where you're kind of panned out, and then you control your characters all around. But it can be turn based or act, action based RPGs. So, mm-hmm. do you have any history with CRPGs or anything like that? I have, that?
0: in fact. I talk about I've talked about it a few times. I can't really get into CRPGs at all. Um, I've tried many <laughs> times, whether it's Baldur's Gate 2 or Icewind Bale, yeah. or um, again, Pillars of Eternity or Divinity Original Sin. Like I've played all those games and just can't get into that genre for whatever it is. It's almost like too rigid for me. Um, but more yeah. than anything, I think actually what it call, what those games call back to more to is not so much old school RPGs from like the 80s on your PC, but more so traditional Dungeons and Dragons or like paper yes. RPGs where they they very much feel like paper RPGs, but on your computer screen, essentially. And in a lot of ways, that's where a game like Baldur's Gate came from because uh, mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate developed by BioWare was very much a uh, Dungeons and Dragons licensed game. And they wanted to translate the exact kind of Dungeons and Dragons experience to a computerized role-playing game. So essentially mm-hmm. that that's where a lot of that genre really comes from is, um, games like that but then again you've got much older games again because that genre has been around forever like since like the early yes. eighties, like the the late 80s um like anything from like planescape torment or just so many
1: different like big box PC so games. i'm weird. trying to
0: picture them all in my head right now right right
1: going back to- um it- and I think it's it's much more actually open now to a much wider audience because they're putting it on console. Yeah. And they're they're trying to make it more modern than than any before. I think what's the most recent one? It's like Dark Alliance, right? Well you've um, got well, the, no, the
0: Dark the New Dark Alliance is a um it's an action RPG. It's a third person. That game. one's
1: an action RPG. Yeah. Yes. But I would yes. I
0: would actually say the most recent one would be Disco Elysium, would probably be
1: the, the Disco Elysium is example. yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Cause that just came to cool. consoles recently too. So there That's you true. go. But Garrett, let's get into some of these questions because it's 50 minutes into the show. We had a pretty lengthy discussion. I think we covered <laughs> all our bases on this. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. I, I think it was a good conversation anyways. Um, Great stuff. So obviously we had a question from last week that we mentioned we were going to discuss this week. So let's start with mm-hmm. that one. And this one, it's going to take a few minutes for us to get to, through To This one comes to us from Blaze Knight at Blaze Knight 0923. And he asks, you're tasked with directing an RPG with a Star Fox Cross F Zero setting slash character roster. What type of RPG is it, and how do you write these two series together? So obviously, we've been talking about RPG Jabras. We've defined them, Garrett. So now we're gonna we're gonna take on the example of developing our own RPG. So what type of RPG would you make this F Zero Star Fox game, Garrett?
1: <sighs> that I mean, this is a very good question because you're mashing two um, franchises that. You know, they could collaborate and could come together because they're so they're kind of spacey, kind of futuristic, futuristic genres. Um, For me, the type of RPG I think of in my head instantly. And this is what I just want for Star Fox in general, let alone F-Zero, is a kind of a story based bioware type of RPG. Um, I, I don't want it like like squad based or anything like that, but like have characters, have a narrative driven towards it and the basis of the game is is two things one is that you're on there's there's multiple different planets you're gonna have to do some type of of racing with f-zero and so you have a car base and then you can develop that car however you want Mm -hmm. um and then try try to like be be the best in in every planet but at the same time there's some sort of Star Wars kind of galactic kind of, uh, struggle or conflict between planet to planet. There's some type of, um, like friction between, I don't know, the Star Fox legions and like, let's say Wolf and, and all of them, uh, who are kind of like rogues, maybe Andros is in there, but I would love some sort of, um, flight, you know, combat type of, of, um, style of, of combat with RPGs, uh, like build up my starship as Mm -hmm. well. So I'll have a race car and a starship to kind of like build up together. Maybe there could be like some sort of symbiotic, like if they have the same type of gear or same type of weapons or whatever, you get like bonus stats between the both of them. I don't want a character driven shooty based RPG with this. It's all about the vehicles. It's all about the car. Mm -hmm. It's all about the starship. And then like characters will have interactivity and relations and everything like that. So that's that's the type of game I'm thinking of in my head when I think of Star Fox Cross F-Zero.
0: The hilarious um, thing, Garrett, is literally I have like a completely different game pitch in my head. Good. whereas no, I think, it's really good. Where I think that the game that I was kind of picturing with this question is more of a, more of a turn-based RPG because when you think about these two okay. franchises, they couldn't be more different from each other. The only similarities between the two of them are they take place in the future and then they both involve vehicles. That's it. Yes. That's the two similarities between those two games. So um obviously there's alien races, for example, in F-Zero. So it would actually make sense for you know the Star Fox universe to be part of the F-Zero universe. Cause like Star Fox Fox McCloud or Falco, they're kind of they're aliens. They're anthropomorphic they aliens, are. but they're still aliens in, in in versus humans, obviously. If you put them in the same world together, so um that's maybe how I would see them kind of crossing over. And then kind of for my four party members, I would select uh, Fox and Falco from Star Fox. And then uh, obviously Captain Falcon, but also I would say Dr. Stewart from uh, the original F-Zero who pilots the Golden Fox. And then as you play through the combat again, um, because you could have like kind of on foot, like um, it'll start with the characters on foot, And then, because obviously the F-Zero characters can still fight usually using their fists, for example, Captain Falcon. We see him in Smash. Does the Falcon Punch. Falcon Punch could even be a skill you use, for example. It it writes itself, right? And then obviously with the Star Fox characters, they've got, they could be more of your ranged characters. They've got a lot of guns, for example, like uh, Fox Mm. and Falco have like blasters and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of how you have your party makeup where you have the F-Zero characters are more like your melee characters. And then the, the Star Fox characters are more like your support Kind of ranged characters Hmm. essentially in your turn based party and then uh you'll build up a meter in combat that will allow you to summon your vehicles um whether Uh, it's the f-zero characters you've got your cars or the the starfox characters with the r wings and then each of those vehicles will have different abilities like uh like skills that you can use along with that when you basically have them out and it's like a temporary thing essentially and as far as how I would incorporate that into the open world, I think you can summon your car or your R wing anywhere you want in your world in order to travel the world and stuff. Um, and then maybe there are certain areas where you have to use the, the car and certain areas where you have to use um, the R wing. Um, but maybe that's maybe that's kind of where my mindset is. But again, I've always just got turn-based RPGs on the brain, guys. So um, that explains <laughs> kind of where I'm coming up with this one. But I think that, I think that way you kind of even up, even the playing field between the different characters, because obviously mm-hmm. if you could have like, if you could just play as the characters with the R wings all the time, why wouldn't you just do that? Like why play as the SER characters? Um, whereas okay. I think having like it be turn-based really balances out the difference between the characters in a way that makes sense to have in one game.
1: Um, that, yeah, that's a good point. Um, do you think in this turn-based game, is it going to be all on foot, all on a planet or do you imagine have some, Vehicle uh, focused and so I suspect it would uh, be
0: like my pla- plan would be like something like cosmic star heroine where okay. essentially you, t- you, the, the, you're mostly, you're not really doing much space exploration, but you're going, uh, you can go from planet to planet at once you, once you progress yeah. to a certain part in the story. Um, just like, again, like, uh, so many classic, like, uh, SNES RPGs where you're on foot for a portion of the experience. Maybe, you know, they're barooned on the planet, for example, and they can't leave, for example. Like you can build some story beats into why they can't, you know, go mm-hmm. into space. And then um, as you progress, you'll, you'll un- get more and more uh, modes of transportation, the ability to go to between different planets. That's kind of where, I, where my mindset is on this game. Either oh, way, it would be a very awesome. wacky game because both <laughs> those franchises are kind of weird. And then kind of mis- mashing them together would be, uh, it'd be a bit of an odd one. But uh yeah, that's true. That would be one to one to play. So there you go. I I that. I hope that answers your question because we had like two like very different Ooh, ideas.
1: Completely different. Be. I love it though. I I would totally play both games.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. I, I think you could do some some fun things with with those settings. And in fact, I think when when thinking about this question between last week and this week i felt like this makes more sense than like a metroid as zero crossover because we had that fake rumor years ago of like them uh, of the uh, f-zero and metroid crossover and everyone was like celebrating they're like oh this would be so awesome i'm like i was the one person i think who was like i don't know if that's such a great idea because again it's like it's kind of weird they they play so differently from each other and it just Again, it feels like F-Zero and Star Fox make more sense together because, again, they're both vehicle-based. They're mostly about vehicles and less about the yep. on-foot stuff. So um, yep. I-, I think it makes more sense to mash these together than something like Metroid. All right. Next question comes to us from Adam AJ Sandoval at Anime Gaming Lift on Twitter. And he asks, If you were to revive one RPG franchise, which would it be? Personally, I would revive Legend of Gaia. Uh, which was actually a PlayStation 1 game for those that haven't played it. Okay. So um, Garrett, to give you uh, some time to think about the, your answer to this question, um, the one that I, I would normally just say Parasite Eve because I say Parasite Eve on every <laughs> shell, I feel like. So I'm going to be less boring and say something different. Honestly, the, the one RPG franchise I would love to see come back from Sony first party is Legend of Dragoon. The, from okay. the PlayStation 1, um, I, I think we'd heard rumors around around Bluepoint doing like a Legend of Dragoon remake uh, for so long. Uh, obviously, that hasn't planned out, panned out yet uh, because we haven't gotten another one. Uh, fun fact about Legend of Dragoon, they did have a PlayStation 2 sequel in the works for the longest time. and It ended up actually being canceled, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. not only that, but I don't know which studio would do that now because Sony Japan was the developers behind that game. Uh, in fact, fun fact, uh, Chuhi Ushida was like one of the producers on that game before he kind of moved into like one of the higher roles over at Sony. So it's just funny looking back on that game and seeing how many of the top people at at uh, some of the Japanese side of Sony were like worked on that game essentially. Um, but yeah, cool. it's this big epic um JRPG that that is turn-based but it had this action element to it almost like Super Mario RPG where like when your car- when you would initiate an attack you would have to press mm-hmm. the button time the button at a specific time in order to uh either not miss or actually to do more damage and it was combo-based too so um you as you would progress through the game you would learn um different attacks that would have like more and more uh like things you had to chain together so sometimes you had to you would have to time like 10 hits that would happen at specific intervals while you were doing your attack. So it's kind of this like nice risk reward kind of thing where you can Mm. take, you can do one of this more simple combos that deal less damage. um, Or you can do like one of the more complex ones, but if you screw up the combo, then you don't do as much damage or you'll just miss completely. So um, yeah, I thought that was always like a really interesting RPG game that just never got a sequel or never got remade. It's stuck on the PS one. It's beloved. People love that game, (sighs) but For whatever reason just sony never did anything with it so that's the one that i would say i wish would come back the most obviously though pro side is kind of the other one but i've talked about
1: that to death on other episodes uh garrett what about you um yeah i've I've been thinking about this for for quite a while there's a lot of um rpgs that i i don't think of in my head um that that are just gone forever or stuck in in a certain platform just for me personally the games i played uh, mm. But the one franchise that I would love to see to come back and have just a fresh take on it um, is actually Advanced Wars. Okay. Um, I, I've played probably like a, a handful of hours of the older games, and I really like the um, the strategy RPG behind it. It's very unique compared to any other strategy RPG I've played, and people mm-hmm. are trying to mimic it right now. It's just not nowhere near close. I think, man, I just think Advanced Wars more of like a it's a weird thing to say, but red alert, yeah, like like it is a military type of game where there's bases all around and you're trying to like control all the bases that you can. Um, War Groove is very similar to like this as well, yeah. Um, but I would love to see uh, like a fresh take on it, just to see uh, what can you do differently with with this this franchise and and put it on all the systems. Put it on phone, like yeah. like these type of games, you can put it on pretty much anything you want. Um, but yeah, like I, I love these type of games. I can play with these hours on end and I would just love, uh, like a, a good take on, on, on Advance war. So what do you think of that?
0: I mean, it's been so
1: long since we got gotten Advance Wars game. Like the last yeah. one was
0: that GameCube third person shooter. Um, that oh, I'm blanking no. you on the name on that tried <laughs> to take like Advance Wars but turned it into like a third person shooter and it was real bad. Um, so yeah, Advance <laughs> Wars was, was really fun. Um, it, that's another game too, going back to like our, our RPG genre talk that kind of skirts the line of being more of a turn-based RPG, uh, more of a turn-based strategy game, but has yep. enough RPG elements where I would qualify it as an RPG. So it's like right kind of on that line where it's, it's most more closer to, again, something like command and con- a turn-based Command and Conquer That is also an RPG, essentially, and less goofy than that game. But yeah, yeah, I I really love those games. I'm actually, again, that's another series that I'm surprised Nintendo never brought back, especially with seeing how Fire Emblem's really performed, where I think people are really into that type of genre. And I I would love to see kind of Nintendo kind of revisit that. Um, And again, like you said, we've been getting lots of games like Wargroove that's kind of, you know, trying to bring back that spirit. But yeah, like no one's really perfected that same formula that um, Intelligent Systems had with that game. Cause I think it was intelligent systems that did if it's worse, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, but yeah. I think part of the reason why they can't go back to it is because they're so, they're so good at fire emblem <laughs> that they'll never be allowed to go back to it. Right. Like, cause intelligent Systems is basically like on fire emblem duty or support studio duty. Cause they also do like, they support a bunch of other games too. that Nintendo DLC does. Them. Um, but, I think they're basically permanently stuck on Fire Emblem until uh, Nintendo tells them they can stop.
1: So <laughs> until further notice. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and yeah, whether or not Nintendo would want to invest in another studio to do Advance Wars, I think is kind of the biggest hurdle for that game.
1: That was my like one of my bingo prediction cards for Ni- Nintendo E three is like let's have a Advance Wars game um, developed by the War Group devs. Okay, or or with Chucklefish. Um, Studios, just because I think that's a game that it's easily transferable to an indie franchise, like what they did with um, what's that, Crypto the Necro dancer, Cadence of Hyrule, Cadence of Hyrule, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I I think that's another easy franchise that you can lend off to an indie studio and Mm. and see what they could do with it. I'm actually kind of surprised Um,
0: after Cadence of Hyrule, we didn't really see more of that. Like we haven't really seen like Nintendo really mm pair with a lot of indie studios with their IPs. Like I thought like when they did Cadence of Hyrule and it was really successful, I. I thought we were going to see more of that. So I'm actually kind of surprised yeah. we haven't yet.
1: But, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: We'll see, I guess. We'll see. Last question comes to us from Ryan Craig at Mathman1024. He asks, what are some RPGs that you'd like to have a new game plus mode for? I would love to run through old Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy games as an overpowered boyer once I've already beaten them. Also, can we start pronouncing RPGs as RPEGS, similar to how we say JPEGs for JPEG files? Uh, Ryan Craig, I don't think we're. Uh, please don't make me ever say R- RPEGS as a uh, as a uh, genre type. That's it's 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 too much. It's too much. It's I can't too
1: much. It. I, I can't handle this blasphemy. No, yeah. I, I can't do it.
0: <laughs> as far as New Game Plus, I rarely the type of player that likes to play New Game Plus in games, mainly yeah. because. I, once I, I finish a game, a lot of times I'm on to the next game and kind of, you know, not continuing to go back to uh, a game. So the only reason why I would want to have new game plus is to, to have like a story reason for doing new game plus like a game like Trials of Mana, for example, I think did really did new game plus really mm-hmm. well because once you finish the the game, um, you actually had this additional story section that happens after you do new game plus essentially with that game so um i thought that was really interesting it gave you a reason to go back and do it so uh whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of times like for example when marvel spider-man gave you new game plus it it was like oh i can go back into the city i guess with my powers again and play the story over again but there's no other reason why i'm doing this so why why am i doing New Game plus right so um that's kind of how i feel about new game plus um so for games i would want to see this um would just be games i would want to see additional content added to so a game like final fantasy 6 for example i think would be awesome to have new game plus because then you could add more to that story um or something like that like that that's one that i would love to see that to your point ryan um either older final fantasy or dragon quest games i would i wish they had um new game plus with like new story reasons or like maybe if you did New game plus you got a different ending or something like that like kind of in the same mm-hmm. way that like a game like chrono trucker does it for example because that's yeah. how you get all the other endings in chrono trigger is by doing new game plus essentially um yeah so i wish that you know more snes or old school rpgs did that back in the day um because it was such a neat thing with chrono trigger so that's kind of how kind of how i feel about new game plus what do you what about you Garrett? what do you think about this question
1: i'm on the same boat there there's a lot of games that i just don't play new game plus just because it's like okay just run through the story again I think the game that I've most mostly gone through New Game Plus is uh, Borderlands Two, mm. just because um, the the you get new, you just carry your skills and you can go to different skill trees and so on and so forth. It doesn't add a story content or anything like that, but it does. The enemies get stronger. The enemies have different elemental resistances. And um weapons are just higher level. You're you're just you just keep grinding that 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 level and until you just become the most badass thing ever. Mm-hmm. Right. So um I, I think Borderlands two does a good job in a sense of um just carry progression and and everything like that, but not nothing like a story um yeah. i think the biggest um other than chrono trigger i think the biggest thing that that does is really well is near automata yeah um definitely. where you have a bunch of different routes to it and you kind of have to play well, three or you four haven't times really finish
0: the game until you've beaten it three times essentially that, like
1: that that's what i hear yeah so <laughs> well it's it's
0: the same with near replicate the, the new game that came out too where it's like there's a whole bunch of different endings in that game too and there's like there's <laughs> a reason to go back and play that but but yeah so that goes back to more what i'm talking about where there has to be like there has to be a reason to go do that unless again if you're going to revisit a game like let's say you beat the game and then like a year or two later you you feel like replaying it and re experiencing the story again then i'm sure that's fine to play on new game plus
1: yeah. but for me again like to replay it right away or something like that like that's not something i usually like to do so and so some rpgs that would like to have new game plus mode i i honestly ryan there's i think all the games i'm thinking of right now has some form of new game plus. Yeah. They keep wanting you to do a new game plus in order for you to just keep on playing with the game and trying to get into the game. Um I the only game I could think of that I could tweak their new game plus just a little bit is actually Fire Emblem 3 Houses. Um mm-hmm. when I actually restart my new game plus to um to do a different route for for the Fire Emblem game you're you're kind of like a clean slate you carry I think you carry some sort of level of stats or everything but you know your characters are gone and everything like that and it kind of sucks actually I would love to have like two different types of new game pluses where one's like you're just an overpowered person and you could just just trudge through the story as fast as you can with all your characters all your skills all your stats I think that would just be a cool crazy, wacky way of, of going through the game versus the hardcore, methodical game that actually went through my first playthrough. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wish the new game plus, instead of being tacked on and add on, I see, have a little bit more thought to it. Yeah. Have a little bit more um, twist. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily, again, it doesn't necessarily need to be story driven mm-hmm. or story content driven, yeah. I think. Um, But it's more system-based, have a little bit more behind it Um, the second time around in order to justify that new game plus like maybe the bosses for example either have like more hit
0: points or maybe they have like different like different abilities that they'll use in like new game Mm -hmm. plus for example to give you like an extra challenge for example like yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, I think there's a bunch of things you could do with that. And yeah, like especially if you look at live service games and stuff like that now, too, like they're just an in, in infinite new game plus where it just goes on forever. Yeah. Or my Assassin's Creed Odyssey example where the new the, it gives you a new game plus option if you want to start from the very beginning or you can continue playing forever and it just generates side quests for you once you beat the game. So uh, <laughs> it's just very silly. Also, um, I don't know if you played through all three routes in Fire Emblem Three Houses, in new game plus, though but you get stupidly overpowered uh, through like your third journey through new game plus oh, because really? of how oh, many okay. points you because what ends up happening is you can bank up all your your uh these like play points essentially that you get every time right. you play through the game and you can spend them to basically like by my third playthrough I had max on all of my weapon skills for my main character and right. all the classes you get max unlocked.
1: on the weapons yeah, yeah
0: so uh, so like I would basically just steamroll the people with with uh, my Byleth, which is just ridiculous but anyways, that's the end of the I episode. See. But before we go, Garrett, let Scout. Uh,
1: you can follow me on Twitter at Blaine Explosion. And you can follow me on Twitch whenever I stream on a blue moon. Twitch.tv slash Blaine Explosion. Um, I'm going to do a lot of PSVG E3 related stuff. Um, it looks like Square Enix um, and also the Nintendo E3 Direct reactions and all that type of stuff. So. To look for that and that's pretty much it yeah very nice
0: uh, yeah most of that stuff you're going to see over twitch.tv psvg for most of that stuff as well
1: yes as for me
0: you can find me on twitter at ryan turford i'm also heavily involved in e3 uh sean and i we haven't really talked about what we're going to be doing for e3 publicly yet but we have a we're going to probably be streaming most of the press conferences so you can definitely come hang out with us uh, we haven't decided where we're going to do that yet or when, but obviously we're going to have a schedule probably by the time you're listening to this. So you, you already kind of know what we're doing there. Also, you can find us, the RPG Cave, on Twitter at the RPG Cave uh, on YouTube. Just search for the RPG Cave there or on podcast services around the globe. So for Garrett Bland, I am Ryan Turford. This has been episode four of the RPG Cave, and we're out. The RPG Caves mana is powered by patrons over at patreon.com slash Gaming And we want to say thank you to all of our patrons, starting with our ultimate producers, Robbie Bobby Miller. You can check him out over at twitch.tv slash Robbie Bobby Miller today. Tony Baker from the Quest for Pixels podcast. You can check them out over at youtube.com slash Quest for the number four pixels. Uh, as well as Jonathan Brown, the man behind the music on the Xbox Drive. You can check out all of mu- music from his Linktree post found in the description of this podcast. Lee Navarro, the fearless leader of the Phoenix Overdrive Extra Life team. You can check them out over at phoenixoverdrive.com. Of course, Extra Life is coming up, so please be excited about that. And Trucker Sloth, our platinum producers, RJ Curd, and our gold members, Adam K., Anna, AwesomeDave1337, Bowza, Cecily Carroza, Dano, Drelish, Emily Kelly, Hopple, John32, Jonas Young, Jose Menes, Marcus O'Neill, Marcus McCracken, Pedge AP, Shy Guy, and Tim off Thank you all for all of your support, and if you want to hop in the car with us, hand over to patreon.com slash carpoolgaming and choose the tier that's right for you.